0: Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Neil McKenzie, all about marketing for the tourism sector. Neil is the CEO of Yarmouth and Acadian Shores Tourism, based in the easternmost part of Canada. With many years of experience in destination marketing, this gives us a chance to look at what the specific challenges of that industry in terms of digital marketing are what works best and what lessons that Neil's learned along the way. Neil, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, it's great to have you. Um, we haven't actually spoken to anyone who specializes in destination marketing or tourism marketing. And um, yeah, it's lovely to have the chance to talk about uh, particularly what you do, because you live and work in such a beautiful area. Um, just set the scene for us. What What kind of tourism takes place there? What kind of place is it? What kind of destination is it?
1: Sure. So, um, uh, so thanks again for for uh, for having me. And um, yes, to to describe you know uh, our destination, which is a lot of what I do, and I can talk your ear off on all the beautiful yeah. things in Nova Scotia. Uh, most tourism marketers can certainly you know. Are, we're really good at uh, moving our hands around and talking about experiences you can have in, in our destinations, but uh, Yarmouth and Acadian Shores is is really uh, the southernmost point in uh, Nova Scotia, which is the easternmost province in Canada. Um, well technically Newfoundland is, but uh, uh, Nova Scotia is uh, one of the Atlantic provinces or what we call the Maritimes of Canada. Um, we definitely have a chip on our shoulder and we feel that uh, much attention for the rest of Canada is given to beautiful places like the Rockies and other places. But we've been working hard as a province and as smaller destinations like myself to really build awareness and uh, you know bring attention to the beautiful place that Nova Scotia is and uh, certainly Yarmouth and Acadian shores. And so the things that we have here, you know, we we have... Nova Scotia has uh, the beautiful Bay of Fundy on one side, which is you know some of the world's highest tides. And we have whales and fin whales and humpback whales and beautiful nature and, and uh, that type of thing on, on I guess the, the southwest side of the province, which certainly touches on areas that we're in. And then uh, we also have the Gulf of Maine uh, just to, um, to the south of us. And, and then the Atlantic Ocean on the other side and neighbors like you across the ocean or across the pond, as we would say. So um, it's just a really uh, very much influenced by the ocean, by nature, by uh, our biggest industry here is actually fishing, uh, specifically lobster, not uh, tourism. Tourism is secondary to our lobster industry in our area, but tourism for the province of Nova Scotia is actually, you know, pre-pandemic was actually the the biggest industry in the province. So um, we're known for our beautiful landscapes and, and welcoming uh, culture and nature and, uh, you know, a lot of history that's certainly connected to uh, England and France and uh, yeah, cool. indigenous people as well, of course, that were the first uh, first folks here and uh, the original the original inhabitants of the, of the land, the Mi'kmaq.
0: What am I packing on a trip over
1: there? Well, it depends on when you come and, you know, I guess uh, that's something we can talk about later, but we're really trying to push Nova Scotia as a year-round destination and not just a, a, a traditional... Um, uh, time to visit would be, you know, the summertime, you know, between July and September. Mm. But uh, if you're coming in the spring, it's it's quite warm. So I was out for an hour walk today and uh, with a t-shirt and shorts on and, and quite beautiful. And uh, this time of year, uh, basically from June until September, October can be very beautiful as well. Um, we have really, really moderate climate. And, and actually within Nova Scotia, this part of the province is actually tends to be a bit warmer than the northern part. So um, Nova Scotia is kind of on a southwest uh, perspective. And uh, um, we try to sometimes we brand ourselves as the banana belt of Nova Scotia. <laughs> we actually have a, a really uh, growing wine industry in, in the valley area of Nova Scotia. Um, some folks are actually growing wine in our area as well, which you just wouldn't associate. Um, probably, I don't know if you know uh, that Nova Scotia actually has a wine industry and no, I don't associate it with that. and and but it it looks very fertile,
0: I will say that. So I can imagine that those sort of things are possible. So tell me a bit about who your audience is from a marketing point of view. I mean, for a start, is it is it all B2C? Is there an element of B2B like
1: Yes. So um most of it a lot of it's B2C. So um, you know, we're 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 marketing the US is our is our biggest market and and now that the now that travel restrictions have been lifted and the U.S.-Canada border is open for unrestricted you know, un, uh, travel, um, we're certainly leveraging that opportunity as much as possible because the Northeast U.S. is our biggest market traditionally, um, and certainly the consumer and pleasure traveler. So the someone traveling for leisure um, is what our biggest market is, as, as opposed to the largest city in Nova Scotia. You know, they do a lot of business travel as well, but business travel has obviously been hugely impacted by the pandemic and people's mindsets and how they, how they think uh, and want to, want to move around. But, um, um, really our market is, is Northeast us from a consumer perspective. And then also Atlantic Canada, Ontario, and Quebec, if we, if we looked at like, you know, geographically and, uh, uh, you know, age groups we're looking at tends to be 25 and older. Um, we position our our products to, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, grab at, at those types of folks that are looking for history and culture and, and uh, outdoor experiences. Um, so, and then light adventure is kind of uh, something we utilize too in culinary tourism. Um, I mentioned wine earlier. We also have lots of beer and breweries uh, in Nova Scotia. Uh, craft beer is a real real uh, growing huge industry in the province.
0: So you, you've got quite, there's quite a few things going on there. Do you utilize something like content pillars? you know, do you have key themes? You talked about light adventure in a way that I sense that that's probably a content pillar for you. And it sounds like you've got other ones. Is that how you think about your content output?
1: Yes. So uh, that's a great question. So we we do have um, content or pillars we we like to always try to, um, you know, ground ourselves against. So um, one is uh, Acadian culture. So we we do have, uh, I myself, am not Acadian, but we do have a lot of... uh, Acadians, uh, you know, living in this area, uh, French-speaking uh, people who originally descended from France and uh, mm-hmm. and um, were actually expelled from the province uh, in the uh, 1700s uh, with the English. So France and England were often at war, as as we all know, and they often fought over this part of the country. So um, there's a lot of history and Acadians that actually live here, and they have very strong culture, food, uh, music. Uh, um, art, everything—it's really beautiful. And we so we leverage the living culture of the Acadians that is here. Um, that's a story that the Americans uh, very much like learning about. Uh, we also uh, leverage our seafaring heritage. So I mentioned earlier about fishing and our fishing industry, and lobster is really huge. So that that tie, So not only is lobster or fishing, you know, and seafaring heritage and, and the history that's related to that, and we can articulate that through museums and tours and experiences. You know, we have a brand new experience here where you can climb a lighthouse in, right to the top of uh, Cape for Shoe Lighthouse. Um, it's 77 steps, something that was never able to be done and something that we actually launched during the pandemic. But that's that touches on seafaring heritage, but uh, the, the the location itself was discovered by Samuel de Champlain, uh, you know, explorer, French explorer, and also has an Acadian uh, connection. And then we also um, leverage... You know, so 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 seafaring heritage and Acadian culture can, can definitely overlap, but we try to look at those as two separate pillars and try to create content and marketing around them. And one of the one of the real cool things that we're really trying to own and 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 take ownership of is is astro tourism. So we wouldn't we wouldn't really you know. Use the term astro tourism with visitors. We would certainly just we would say something like starlight or stargazing or you know the the dark skies for example. But we we have a, a an area here that's been designated by the International Starlight Foundation as a uh, dark skies reserve and dark skies tourism uh, destination. So um, and that designation uh, took real money and effort and, and uh, resources to actually get. And what it does is establishes this area in the province of Nova Scotia as an area where you actually can have uh, amazing starlight stargazing experiences and we have tourism and operators and product that's been positioned around leveraging that that uh that resource or that that uh, designation
0: one way to describe the internet is like this massive patchwork quilt of niches right and one way to describe content marketing is about finding these quite small but very specific niches and resonating incredibly strongly with them in, in in the ways you're talking about. So you're right that the dark sky thing and the de- designation as a place in the world that has very little um, light pollution is a way for you to connect with this quite random sounding audience at first, but in a very specific way that resonates very strongly with them. And then you can kind of build a, a wider story around that why you might want to take like a full-blown your annual holiday there and build a trip around that so that is interesting how i think i think a lot of destination marketers probably have to think about that and i suppose that's one of the big challenges with what you do isn't it
1: Mm -hmm. um trying to position product and, and content i guess that you know a one of the things is too we we actually have to develop content so you know we're we're doing it in the actual real real world so you know, we have places where you can do stargazing, or you know, talk to a real fisherman on the wharf, or eat you know fresh lobster. But but the, you know, one of the things we ne- we always have to do as a as a destination marketing organization is also work with partners directly to try to build tourism product and experiences that will keep people here because um, we we are a growing destination. We've really only been doing uh, destination marketing here, really focused uh, from a focus perspective for about 10 years um, prior to that we were just seen as kind of the way into the province because we have an international ferry uh, to Bar Harbor now it actually just started last last week and um, it's a high-speed catamaran ferry that goes to Bar Harbor Maine and uh, that's our main connection and our biggest market opportunity um, so so we do have a lot of lot of similarities to Maine but you know some things that we can we try to leverage is obviously starlight Acadian tourism, the Canadian, uh, you know, the Canadianness and the differences that are here. Uh, certainly, Americans can can uh, their dollar goes a bit further here now for sure. <laughs> so uh, these are all positive things, and and, uh, and the, the whole area has always been kind of built like our, we have probably more hotels here than would seem normal for a small town and a small community. But it's because we've always had that American that Americans flowing into the province um, to do other areas and go to other places in the province. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of where we are.
0: Yeah, no that that's interesting. So you've what's interesting about what you're doing and I think what a lot of destination marketers have done is you've started to harness tourists and their content in the form of user generated content and UGC and that's become quite a central part of your output. Um, tell me how that's played a role and, and the effect that that's had on your output.
1: Sure. That's a great question as well. And, and, um, you know, uh, we're, we're big fans of UGC and, uh, we, we, we leverage it in lots of ways. And I think probably the only challenge we have right now is that sometimes we just don't have the, the people power to actually leverage all the opportunities that come with, with UGC. Um, we use a, a program called CrowdRiff. Um, and, uh, they, they were brought to our attention through a partnership with Destination Canada who, um, who, uh, Provided some 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 support and uh, and uh, basically a partnership with with them for other DMOs like ourselves. So if we installed the installed this 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 content or ag, uh, it's basically CrowdRift is a UGC aggregator, so it, it it allows you to follow and pull in content from uh, from content creators and influencers that you want to follow, and allows you to publish that content on your. You know, in a email newsletter, in a in a traditional print media, um, and certainly on your website. So um, we've really, really leveraged it, and uh, it's just been great to for engagement, holding people on our site. It's it's still one of our biggest, um, you know, items that people engage with on our website, and uh, it certainly has what helped our time TV on site.
0: What kind of content are you talking about here?
1: So images mostly. Um, So it's, you know, we're pulling, we're following, you know, for example, if you were an an influencer, which you are, but if you were a a tourism, you know, a traveler that we wanted to follow, we would, we would set you up in the CrowdRiff app, which is an online program. And then we would, we would say, okay, we're going to follow you on these platforms. And then your content automatically flows into a, a large gallery. We can then sort your content based on our content goals. So if you're, you're happy happen to be traveling here and you, you eat a, a beautiful lobster dinner, um, then we're going to probably grab that content if it looks good. And we're going to place it into a folder or a gallery specific to culinary tourism. And, and the same thing, if you did an Acadian experience or a, a night sky experience, um, you know, and, and so what, what we do is we build these galleries and then we publish these galleries on different parts of our website. And, and as you know, um, you know, people trust uh, UGC or, you know, content more than branded content that someone like myself as a marketer would create from a DMO's perspective. They certainly don't disagree with it, but there's a higher, you know, it's my experience that there's a higher um, a trust, trust value based on, you know, someone like Will traveling to Nova Scotia and then he has a great experience in Nova Scotia and he's sharing that with your followers. People trust that more than me telling them that is going to be a great experience. So um, that's kind of that's one of the ways we use it. Um, and we'll publish these galleries all over the place. We'll even have specific galleries to specific operators. So, um, will if you had if you were a hotel operator in our in our area or uh, uh, let's say you were offered a tourism hike a tourism experience, you would exist on our website as a tourism operator, and we would have a specific CrowdRift gallery that was associated with your content and the CrowdRiff galleries offer things like call to actions that we can customize. Um, We can also have um, automated requests to request the rights to images, which has really been great. So, um, you know, one of the big spends that we have as a DMO is we're always not only are we harvesting UGC content, but we're also paying people to produce high level video and photography and uh, our time lapses and all sorts of things. And uh, But all this content is out there and often Often you just have to ask. Hey, do you mind if we use that? We would like to use your photo. It's really beautiful. And you know, our experience is most people will say sure. Um, just credit me for the for the image, or or you know, they don't even say that. They're just saying sure, you can use it. And yeah. so there's there's even automation within within CrowdRiff that allows us to reach out to creators and and ask for rights permissions to use their content, and uh, and then so then we have. Um, content that we can use in, in other other channels. and
0: That's cool. I've not come across that functionality before, you know, that, that automation of, of um, that request. Because in, in our market here in the UK and Ireland, we've seen UGC blow up for, for tourism brands, but also just for a lot of consumer brands. Because just like you say, they've become switched on to the fact that A, people trust other people, and B, it just takes a hell of a lot of work off the marketing team. Um, they're getting better images, really more relevant images that, than they would have created anyway, to be honest. I wonder why so many brands are leaning on that now. Like my theory is is that it's two things. It's that phone cameras have gotten really good, but also your average consumer has become more media savvy and everyone, particularly everyone under the age of 30 is essentially some sort of influencer, even if a nano influencer, and they just know how to take photos and videos of things and we're more aware in that way.
1: I think so. I think I think that there's just so much content out there and and that uh you know you're bound to get something that's just amazing that that someone who may not even consider themselves a professional is is taking, you know. People like you said they know how to position themselves for to take a photo of a sunset or a sunrise.
0: Do you elicit it because I know in Tourism Island I think do a really good job of this and they have this thing which is quite common which in their bio it says tag us and use this hashtag um, to be featured, and it operates very much as what we call a feature account on Instagram, where it is just all uh, reposted featured content. But they very much kind of promote that. Do you do that?
1: We have a call to action on our on our website, basically that says, you know, uh, tag us to be featured. Um, but we don't have a specific. Um, well, sometimes reshare content on our Instagram or Facebook, but um, we don't have a specific account that's just UGC on 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 Instagram. But we do um, feature anyone's content. You know, we have homepage galleries and then we have specific, uh, galleries for our operators. So some of the things that we want to make, we often have to do is we have to push our operators to push good content too. So, um, and tell their patrons to tag those restaurants so that we can see that and then pull that into their listings as well. So, um, yeah, but it's, you know, just a simple thing. Like you said, asking people to tag, you know, visit Island or, or, uh, Yarmouth and Acadian shores. Um, and then people are like, okay. And, and they see value in, in being featured on that content. So then you're getting this amazing UGC that, um, you often can get rights to and, and haven't had to pay anything for other than the cost to, to run crowd and the team, et cetera. But, um, you're not intrinsically paying directly for every image. Sometimes we do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's still, you know, great contacts and it helps local uh, photographers and content creators that are trying to get off the ground. But uh, it's been really good for us.
0: And has that escalated to working with what we would more traditionally call influencers?
1: Yes. So um, Tourism Nova Scotia, which is the larger provincial DMO for Nova Scotia, it's basically the, you know responsible for driving business to the entire province. Um, they have a program that they partner with smaller DMOs like mine, and, um, and, uh, we, we find influencers that have audiences and content that align with the products, you know, those pillars that you talked about earlier, uh, with different destinations. So, um, you know, some, and so the, the influencers we have are very much into nature and stargazing and, uh, you know, light adventure, etc. And that's the types we try to bring in. We bring in people, influencers that are, uh, you know, French or have bilingual, uh, that can be bilingual and actually produce content in French as well, because we like to also promote that. And, uh, so definitely, yeah, we find influencers that align with our content and want to experience our, our, the things that we have to offer, but that also have significant audiences. And we've been quite successful. Um, we haven't worked with, you know, people that have millions of followers, but we've certainly worked with people that have, you know, tens of thousands. And, uh, and when everyone's been really trapped in, in Nova Scotia, not trapped, that's, a, that's kind of a hard word, but when everyone been, hasn't been able to travel outside of Canada for so long, uh, the influencers that we had in the province were actually really great. And, uh, and a lot of them had never been here. So as small of a province as Nova Scotia is, there's still lots of people that haven't experienced you know, Yarmouth and Acadian shores. And, uh, and there's influencers too. So it, it really helped us reach their audience in Nova Scotia and then drive some business our way during the pandemic.
0: That's really good. I mean, to be honest, you know, you talk about you didn't use influencers with millions of followers, but there's been a real shift away from that, it seems, in recent years. And, you know, towards micro-influencers, that's been a big buzzword. And and for so many reasons, they can be a lot more um, fruitful, really, to work with. They're easier to work with. You can have direct conversations and collaborations. It's not just going through some agent and paying for a post or something like that, right? It feels more collaborative. You can uh, have a conversation, bounce ideas around, and, and it matters more to them. It's a bit, they're a bit more invested, and I think you just get more for your money. You reach more relevant audiences because they're smaller, tighter audiences, Um so there's a long list of reasons why that's a good thing, particularly for niche things that, that, are, that form your pillars. So that makes a lot of sense to me for sure. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. So thinking about UGC, if I worked in tourism in a different part of the world and I said, oh, yeah, Neil, this sounds great, this UGC lark. Um, what, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I get started with getting some value out of that for my destination? What would you tell me?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that, that, that really saved us, um, was that when, before we had this latest iteration of our website, uh, which has an online store and is much more responsive and, and it's built, you know, with, you know, proper research and SEO and all those things in mind. Um, we actually had our existing website, uh, obviously, but um, it was really at the point where, you know, I was, trying, I was trying to figure out, okay, I need some budget because we have to build a new website. It's just not cutting it anymore. Uh, and, but what we had done in the meantime is we had installed CrowdRiff and started building that content and knowledge and experience with that product and that tool. And that really saved our engagement metrics and our time on site and, and really continued to keep people on our website, even though I think our website was, was at that point nearing its end of its life. We, it gave us the opportunity to learn how to use it uh, well and uh, do some interesting things with it. And I'm not even touching on all the things that CrowdRift can do. And I'm, I don't work for CrowdRift. It's just that's my experience okay. with that tool. Um, there are other UGC uh, aggregators out there that we've looked at as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, if, I was, as I was, if I were somebody that wanted to get into this, I would reach out to those companies. They all offer demos. They'll they'll have somebody that will speak to you and, and do one on one consultation and say okay here's how you could leverage it here's here's the the uh, return on investment you can look at um, here's mm-hmm. here's innovative ways that other places are doing it so um, and and we're again I think the the only limit with UGC that we have is this our imaginations and, and our because it does re- still require work to to leverage it it it's not fully automated um, you have to manage it you have to look at things you have to still you know, use it as a tool. It's a tool and it works as well as you can, but there are some automation tools in there. There are call to actions. There is some great metrics, uh, trackable, measurable things that we can see. And you can also, you know, there's, for example, one of the things it does is that, uh, you can have galleries that automate, uh, images within the gallery based on how much engagement those images are getting. So when you go to our website, if, if, If you engage with some of those images, you click on them and then maybe go to the or click on the call to action, et cetera, and then come back again, um, you may see the gallery in a different way because it actually will automate. You can see there's different tools within Cardworth that you can basically Mm -hmm. automate. So um, and that's smart. And that's, you know, one of the things I learned a lot in, in taking course with with dmi was was how much we need to do really leverage automation certainly in our email marketing but and also uh with ugc too so sky's the limit with this type of thing and uh but really the limit for us is just people power and and our imagination and time because it can save you time but you're there's i feel there's always something else we could be doing because it's such a great tool
0: oh yeah absolutely well that's it you can only do so much but it sounds like yeah you're saying that to get into ugc and get really leverage get the most value out of it it's it's about getting a good tool like that and then really learning what it's capable of and trying to get the most out of what you're paying for it really because it sounds like they do some pretty kind of intelligent stuff I like that so this all sounds lovely what you're talking about how do you measure it how do you how do you know it's working how do you know it's successful how do you define that success
1: so um, you know again our, our our benefits I guess from a from a from a tool perspective, we we measure the success of it just by the simply fact that we know we're spending less. Uh, we we can we could spend more on producing content directly ourselves. We know how much it t- costs to produce a thirty second video or hire a photographer to produce you know for us to get fifteen beautiful images. It's uh, three days of shooting um, and coordination and time, and we might get close to the same with um, this tool. So we can certainly measure it from the perspective of Here's what it would have cost us to grab this content if we, if we, if we weren't using ProudRift um, and the savings it provides us. We measure it by how much engagement and, uh, it, you know, the engagement rate and time on site metrics that we have with regards to the uh, galleries. We know that those galleries hold people there. They're still one of our top, um, um, you know, items on our website that's engaged with on each one of our operators pages and certainly on our different galleries um, we Again, we use them in, in email marketing and we theme them around seasons and events and other things. So we can do a lot of um, specific things. It's not just something we create and just leave there.
0: Just to really bring it back to reporting and measurement, I, I always like to think of the marketing funnel. Love the funnel. It, for me, just really nicely frames, like what are we doing here? What's the point of me coming to work today? Um, because we want to drive awareness by telling people who've never heard of what we do, that we exist. I want to drive consideration, get people thinking about it more, getting get them engaging with us. And then I want to drive some sort of conversion. So a lot of what you're doing sounds like it's driving more awareness and perhaps more engagement as well. What is what is that final metric? What is ultimate success that gets talked about there?
1: You know, you're absolutely right. And it's very wise of you to see that. I would love sometimes and as a DMO, because we kind of get tired sometimes of just you know, telling people we exist and where we are and wh- where we yeah. are in Nova Scotia, but it's also a positive thing, you know. Um, um, it, it used to be when I would tell people or show people beautiful images from our, our location, they would say, where's that, you know? And I would say, that's Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, or that's Yarmouth and Acadian shores, that's our beautiful Tuscan Islands, that's our lighthouse, that's, that's you know, X, Y, or Z. And they, they now they, they used to say things like, why would I want to go to Yarmouth? Or why, why would I want to live there? Or what's down there? There's nothing to do. And now they're saying, you know, in my in my anecdotal conversations with people, they're saying things like, I've never been there. I have to get down there. It looks really beautiful. And and to me, I see that as a, you know, just a, an everyday word of mouth that's getting, uh, you know, information that's getting spread around that people are seeing it. But we're definitely, I guess, to circle back, we're definitely in the awareness level of the funnel and, and, and certainly within the interest.
0: Because you're not selling something, you're, you're not driving. I mean, are you driving any referrals to accommodation providers or anything like that?
1: That is one of our a key metric on our website that, we, you know, we would see that as click throughs to operators.
0: That's quite close. To, I mean, it's not a conversion, but it's, it's further down, isn't it? That shows quite strong intent to plan a trip. That is
1: that is that's, his, that's, his, that's his, the best conversion we can do is say okay will we've sent a, we've we've created some marketing it's it's uh, attracted will to our website will is now on our website and has found a hotel or an experience that he wants to do and he's clicked and now he's off to book that experience with them. That's that's the best we we feel we can do within that funnel and that whole consumer journey like you
0: say I suppose for you it's about looking at metrics and building a case in some way and putting certain metrics together in a certain way that would, would indicate that it's all going in the right direction, right?
1: Yeah, you know, organic traffic is one thing we're look one thing we're looking at now and we've seen that grow. So we 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 say that's definitely within to me that's a, a measure of the awareness that is is turning. So that we're getting more people that are searching for us or hearing about us or seeing our content somewhere and that's triggering them to search for us. Um, so that that is growing and we see that as a key Key measure of of what we're doing. Um, again, we talked about the level and the volume of UGC. Um, we talked about the number of people that are actually staying here, and uh, you know, our experience providers provide numbers to us too, and they'll say, "Okay, I'm having a good year. Here's the numbers," uh, or you know, people aren't staying or people are, aren't aren't coming. Um, and uh, I certainly can't just shrug my shoulders and say, "Well, that's not on me." I can't. You know, we're doing our best. We 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 have to try as hard as we can. But uh, unfortunately, we, we, that is a, is it something that, that we all think about is that we can't ever really truly say, once we've sent that, tra- that lead off to you, Will, as a hotel operator, for example, um, I can't see that that room was booked and how long they stayed and how much they spent um, if they had breakfast in the hotel or ordered room service or any of those things. That's, that's right. up to the operator at that point.
0: I mean, have if, if you toyed with the idea of doing some sort of like being an affiliate, you know, so basically being like a booking.com affiliate and pushing people towards bookings with affiliate platforms like that, is that ever, or is is that not, would that not feel appropriate?
1: One of the things we do with, uh, we have a local levy uh, group, which is a hotel levy. So basically you stay in Yarmouth and Acadian Shores and hopefully someday you'll visit us. Uh, You'll pay $2 Canadian, uh, on your hotel bill not for every every location not like not in an airbnb for example but in a specific hotel there's we have five that are partners um, and um, you know so that would show that you're a visitor o- outside the area because it, it's it's on obviously only paid on consumers but our uh, people visitors for example but um, one of the things we do you know we have we have a team on our international ferry for example that we have, we have found through experience that a lot of people who come across on the ferry, uh, they just haven't considered their hotels. They just assume that they're going to be able to book a hotel once they get here. And that's often not the case.
0: What, they just get on an international ferry without a hotel booked?
1: They oh, will totally. sometimes, yeah. They'll say, oh uh, yeah, we're just going to get something to eat and uh, we're just going to get a hotel. And and uh, many many book, book this stuff well ahead, but others will just, you know, kind of wing it. And uh, we try to help them and and we'll, so we'll book those rooms for them, or we'll call the hotel and directly do it. So we track that those numbers. You know how many how many actual people we spoke to, what they were, what we what we counseled them on, and what they were what, where we told them to go. So there's other places in Nova Scotia, obviously, that people want to go that are very beautiful, and we track where we're where we're sending people or recommending they go. And uh, but we also directly help uh, guests book rooms in our local hotels if they're looking for a place to stay. And then we also, of course, have that that metric. But we don't use online travel agents like we don't we don't work with those guys so much because we we found that um, certainly people are using that. But one of the things that's happening is that um, the inventory that is sold to an OTA by a local hotel is not all of the inventory that they have. But if somebody is on an international ferry, they'll just check and say, oh, well, the hotel's sold out. There's no more rooms. But in actuality, there are rooms. It's just that the the, you know, the inventory that's been sold to the OTA is sold out. So unfortunately, someone like booking.com or another OTA will say, oh, there's no rooms available. And then the person will just move on to a different hotel when there's empty rooms sitting there. So we find the direct conversation and also trying to spread that message is key.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. We're 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 over two years past the onset of the COVID nineteen pandemic. How do you see the travel industry picking up again after that? How, and how's it changed?
1: Well, certainly, I think um, people are looking for safe destinations, and uh, they you know um, Nova Scotia is certainly a, a place that is I think still has a really positive brand. Hopefully around the world, but I can say certainly in the U.S. and Northeast U.S., Nova Scotia is still seen as a very safe place to go, both from a COVID perspective and and uh, just a personal um, you know safety perspective. Um, and uh, so I think people are thinking about that. I think what's changed with uh, with with the pandemic too is that we also have to think about destination sentiment. So this this behavior and this thinking. Um, wasn't really something that we thought about that much in our area because we're we're taking baby steps and we're just still trying to really grow this destination, again, very much in the awareness level, um, as you mentioned. And so we weren't really considering what locals thought um, or as considering it as much as we should, maybe, uh, what they thought about visitors coming. Um, We were always just marketing ourselves and promoting ourselves as very hospitable and welcoming, and, and we still are. But some of that thinking has changed during covid People have um, other fear. It did certainly during the pandemic and when things were really, really going strong, and we're still, still, you know, dealing with it. Um, there is different feelings locally and around the world. I imagine certainly in Nova Scotia with how people want to welcome visitors. Uh, overwhelmingly, though, uh, Nova Scotians are very welcoming and want to welcome guests to the to uh, Nova Scotia uh, now. And uh, we see a huge amount of pent up demand in the U.S. Uh, demand for travels high. Uh, there's, there's a lot of interest in, uh, you know, the types of experiences we have here. And we think tourism is really roaring back. Certainly the times that we've been in the U.S. with myself and my team over the past uh, three or four months, we've seen a lot of demand and, and, uh, and Americans are looking to travel. Uh, and we know Canadi- Canadians are too. And uh, hopefully some folks from overseas will start, start arriving too because we have direct flights in, right into, into Halifax again. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, and uh, they can come and visit us. So we think it's roaring back. Um, we think that's that's where it's going to go and, and continue. And the challenge now is really labor. Um, we just, a lot of people have left the industry. They've moved on to other sectors. And now, you know, we now that we have all this business, we don't have enough people to actually um, take advantage of it. That's the challenge we're really dealing with now on the ground.
0: Haven't, haven't more people moved there in in you know, in search of a more remote place to live, perhaps?
1: Uh, Lots of Canadians uh, in Ontario and other parts of the uh, province, Canada, sorry, have have moved to Nova Scotia. So we've seen a big influx of uh, other Canadians moving to Nova Scotia because of the quality of life here and the the fact that they can sell a home in British Columbia or, or Ontario for a lot and then their money goes a really long way in Nova Scotia.
0: Yes, yeah, no, we've seen the same thing definitely happen in our part of the world as well. Um, zoom towns um uh, these kind of beautiful country towns that are full of digital nomads uh doing <laughs> doing their job just um before you go as well tell us a little bit about your experience studying DMI pro that you recently did how did that go
1: i really liked it um i learned a lot from it um it was uh really ex- extensive and uh and uh, i felt it was a, a really good uh Really good for someone like me who's been doing tourism marketing, but you know I am not an expert and I don't have all the answers and and uh, you know the the course itself is not specific to tourism, for example. Um, so it forced me to think about you know uh, consumer behavior um, and and all the other things associated in that you know in that program uh, content and um, the Google Ads piece was really great for me because we we use that a lot. We do a lot of stuff with the display network. Um, social. We, we're big on social. Um, you know, one of the things that it taught me too is that you know we we really need to take advantage of automation as much as possible. And and I intend to make some changes with our, our organization to try to to do more of that. Certainly with email and and other things, and um, and to just think more about trying to push people further down the funnel. Um, I think is really important too because we are often stuck in this awareness and and uh, interest level. But uh, there are ways to as a DMO, you know when we're responsible for doing it, you know, marketing a destination and not any one specific person more than more than another. Um, there are still ways that we can find real measurable um, uh, ways to to figure out that if the work we're doing is uh, can be attributed to to what we're you know our marketing. So
0: yeah, that is so important. That's cool. That's good to hear. Um, one last question for you: What are your top tips? For other travel marketers out there, if you really had to distill them, think of them as bullet points in your head. Um, what would they be?
1: The pandemic has taught all of us that you know there are markets closer to home that that can actually produce results. So when when Nova Scotians couldn't travel uh, other than in Nova Scotia, we actually we saw we saw people coming here that had never been here and were really impressed. Um, and and I know that I had. Family and other people travel around the province, and we're really impressed by the other parts. So, discovering your own backyard—I know that's probably a, a, a term that was overused in tourism during the pandemic—but um, it's still still op- an opportunity. We've learned that you know the markets in Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada are valuable markets for us, and something that we we were probably underutilizing uh, prior to the pandemic. So, I would I would say one tip would be to you know um, don't just assume markets that you're not in are you know, put away forever and leave them on a shelf. Maybe take open that book once in a while and take a look and say, you know, why? Why? What is the logic that says we are sh- not in this market? Um, how could this market align with some of our our pillars, for example, as you mentioned? Uh, I think another one would be flexible um, and to really understand that that uh, travel has changed. Certainly, business travel has changed. Pe- what people are looking for in a destination from a from a safety perspective and from consumer confidence perspective, I think is key. You have to have that mindset, you know, put yourself in in the uh, consumer shoes, the the traveler shoes Uh, as a destination marketer. Things around us are very familiar to us and, and uh, not that special sometimes, but really kind of think from the perspective of a visitor is, is key. Um, You can't assume that a sign that makes sense to you is going to make sense to a visitor. You can't assume that, because the address in your content or, or that or the, the content is, is obvious to you where it is that it's obvious to somebody else. So keep thinking from a, from a, market, from a traveler's uh, perspective. Um, I think from a DMO, again, perspective, have, have some differentiators, have some marketing pillars. Do that, do that market research to differentiate your brand and then stick to it. You know work with your partners and figure out okay what what can we do that's sustainable that will um, differentiate us from all the other places in Canada and Nova Scotia if possible keep going back to your pillars have a marketing plan have a brand a strategy and, and keep building it and I think that's really helped us uh, certainly f- um, move along and and from a DMO again we're a, a local organization so, Um, when you're trying to market a destination i think you you have to get your partners on side so they have to understand what you're trying to do they have to understand your messaging they can be huge uh, advocates and uh, advocates for you if they're they're using the same kind of language and positioning for their product that you're trying to do they grow audiences they have customer interactions and touch points in their everyday that's going to build your uh, brand and, and support you too so
0: yeah that's good good advice thanks neil uh just before i let you go remind our listeners where they can
1: connect with you and find you online well they can uh certainly visit our website uh yarmouth and acadianshores.com so the yarmouth a-n-d acadianshores.com and uh they can find uh everything that we're you and i were talking about today with regards to the destination and uh, they can find me on linkedin and uh just just uh Type in Neil McKenzie and uh, Yarmouth and Acadian Shores and you'll find me on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, I I will do that. And Neil, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was very interesting to hear your perspective on this stuff, um, and very valuable to our listeners, no doubt. But um, yeah, thanks very much.
1: Well, it was excellent to be here. Uh, I've. Uh, it's interesting to me to be talking to you in person when I when you were actually part of my course. So you know, when you when you see an instructor and you're kind of like, <laughs> yeah. who is this person? <laughs> now I'm actually talking to you so uh, I I very much enjoyed uh, uh, learning from you and the whole DMI uh, oh, process and uh, it's great to talk to you and I really appreciate the the interest in our destination and in Nova Scotia and, and you're welcome anytime uh, to come over here please give us a call and and we we'll, we'll show you around for sure and you'll love it
0: oh, thanks so much I can't wait cheers Neil take care see ya
1: you're welcome bye-bye
0: If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.